Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Turn with us tonight to the book of Psalms, chapter 32. Psalms 32, as I was studying this week, God has opened up some things to me out of Psalms 32 and and, uh, Psalms chapter number 1, but we'll take them individually. And we're going to start with Psalms 32 because you can't really get to Psalms 1 until you've been through 32. Now, that may seem odd, but that's the way I believe you'll see it tonight. So you pray for us. We just want to obey God. Psalms chapter 32, going to begin at uh, verse number 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall come not They shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Father, thank you for this word. We thank you for the sacrifice that Lord, makes this truth even possible. We pray for understanding, but Lord, above all things, your presence. We ask God that you would send the unction, the message that's clear to every heart. May we all receive it, God, in obedience and joy. Hear us, Lord, and we pray as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know anybody that don't like being blessed. Uh, if you just hand something and say, this is a blessing, somebody would take it. It's a blessing to give and certainly to receive. But in Psalms 32, we find that there is some things that are prerequisites to being blessed. Um, as I was reading in Psalms 1, that's where I was starting this week, and And uh, it led me quickly to Psalms 32 because what I realized was is 
the blessing that's spoke of in Psalms 1, you can't receive until you've received the blessing of Psalms 32. And I want us to think specifically about that tonight. It says, blessed is the man, or blessed is he, whose transgression is forgiven. Now, of all the things that you could be blessed with, what uh, I would say is that the greatest of blessings I'll share with you is that I've been forgiven. (laughs) Uh, I tell you, I'm rich beyond compare because I've been forgiven. Because my sin no longer counts against me. That every wrong thing that I've done and every wrong thing I'll yet do, every evil thought and every idle word, everything that I have done that has been contrary to the will of my Holy Father has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. (laughs) What a wondrous truth to be able to declare unto you that I am blessed by the Lord. I am blessed because my transgressions have been forgiven. I have been brought to a place where uh, the account was reckoned before God and I was found wanting. And in the abundance of sin before God, as I stood there with nothing to pay for my sin, Jesus Christ stepped in and offered me the pardon and mercy that I had nowhere else to receive. Oh, how grateful that I am that through forgiveness a man can be blessed. And that what a blessing that it is. I, there's people, you know, all around us that may claim to be blessed because of the material goods that they have. But may I say to you today that the materialistic things of this world are never truly the blessings they started out as. Right? You can have something that it's the greatest blessing of all, but if you'll just give it a while, it'll wear out on you if it's earthly. If it's material... And I believe God certainly grants us a lot of things. He gives us food on our table and a place to live or sleep. And he gives us the comfort of maybe having uh, an air conditioner or a heater in our homes. You know, people didn't used to have all those things like we do. They have run, we have running water and electricity and all of those things. We give it rarely ever a thought. And yet I consider those things to be blessings. But I can also say that there was a time that men and women didn't have any of those things and they would have said the same thing to you. I sure am blessed. I sure am blessed. You see, in the absence of all those things that we may consider the luxuries of life that we often take for granted, I'd say to you tonight that without the forgiveness of sins, you're the most miserable person you've ever known. Because if you've still got sin, friend, you've still got guilt. And if you've got guilt, friend, that's a bondage that indicates you've never been set free. You've never been to Calvary. You've never had your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm glad, friend, that I'm able to report to you today that being blessed is not necessarily about the things of this world. It's not about the haves and the have-nots. It's about knowing that your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And, friend, that's because your sins have been washed away. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. So I'm going to start with this tonight, and I'm going to try to get through all 11 verses, and I'll try to move as quick as I can here. But may I ask you a question? Are you forgiven? Are you forgiven? Let me, let me say it this way. If there's anything in your life that is between you and God, I'm going to ask you tonight to seek forgiveness for it. Do you know I still have to ask for God to forgive me? 
Even though the blood of Jesus Christ has paid the sin debt that I couldn't pay, and it paid past, present, and future, there's not a sin that I'll ever be guilty of that the blood of Christ has not already covered. In order for me to have peace with God, I still have to repent. It's not a given. It's not something, friend, that you can just bounce around through life and live like you want to and think that there's peace in it. Listen, you'll not be blessed until you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And I want to suggest to you that that's an everyday work. To experience the the forgiveness of God, even though I know that my sins have been imputed, I have been given the liberty, friend, of knowing that I am forever clean and purged from sin. According to Isaiah, thy sins that were red like crimson have been made white as snow. Now, that's my status before God. When he sees me, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ, and I can assure you that my sins are no longer to my account. They were laid on his account. But in order for me to have peace with God, I still have to seek forgiveness. I still have to go before God, and I have to repent. The apostle Paul, he said it like this. He said, I have to die daily. That means I've got to yield myself. I've got to lay myself upon that altar of mourning and say unto God, I have sinned before you. I want you to know that a man that is blessed is a man that is forgiven day in and day out. I'm going to ask you again, are you forgiven? Is there anything between you and God that keeps you from filling the Holy Spirit of God? I tell you, the Spirit of God doesn't mess around when it comes to sin. If we're holding on to sin, friend, you're not going to feel blessed. I'm going to read about how you will feel here in just a second. But let me assure you, if you want to live the blessed life, the blessed life, then you're going to have to make an everyday practice of saying, (laughs) Lord, I'm so sorry. Uh, How many times have you said that today? I've said it. How many times have we bowed on our knees? You say, well, I don't have that much to repent over. God help you. And every one of us that look in the mirror and say, I'm not that bad. I don't sin that much. I don't, let me tell you something. One sin makes you guilty of the whole law is what the apostle said. You can say you're good, but I can assure you you're not. Every one of us have an absolute need to get before God in a broken condition, not on Sunday, but every day to bow before him and to confess our sin. The problem is we won't be honest with ourselves. We won't look deep enough. We won't stay long enough to allow the Holy Spirit of God to identify in our life those things that are contrary to the will of God and the purpose of God for you. Listen to good Christian men and women. Don't have any doubt that you're among the best. But when it comes down to it, you have to repent every day. Every day. I am blessed. But what the psalmist said was, I'm blessed because my my sins have been forgiven me. Now, he was in a terrible condition. You can read about the the same area in those psalms where the uh, psalmist was writing. He had gotten himself in a great deal of trouble. Separated from God over a year. He hadn't fellowshiped with God. And then Nathan came to him and said, David, thou art the man. And the conviction of God set upon him. And as he began to repent and cry out unto God, the the judgment of God came to his house, but also the mercy 
and God forgave him of his sin. And here we have the psalmist writing to us the same thing that I could have wrote. I could have wrote this same chapter. Blessed is he whose sins, whose transgressions is forgiven. Right? Every one of us could write this same chapter. Therefore, it's relevant to us tonight. So number one, blessed is the, is the person who is willing to admit that they're a sinner. Now, I'm not taking away from the grace of God that makes me clean in Christ Jesus, right? We boast of that enough. We, well, probably not enough, but we boast of it often, right? So that's not in question here. What is question is your daily walk. What is in question is the daily peace that you desire, right? Don't we hunger for peace, right? I can tell you right now, I know when I don't have it. I can tell you absolutely for sure when I'm not right with God. Right? You don't have to tell me that. There's nobody have to say, oh, I don't think you're right with God. I assure you, I know when I'm not right with God. You say, how do you know? Well, it's probably because I haven't repented of my sin. Because even though Jesus has paid for it, there is still a responsibility that lies squarely upon me as the believer to own up to it. And to say unto God, yes, you're right, and I'm wrong, and I repent of this. And what the Bible said was if I would confess my sins, that he was faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Now, that puts responsibility in your house and in mine. Listen to me, friend. If you want to be blessed, you're going to have to repent. Now, you say, well, Everybody in this house, they repent all that stuff every day. Do we? Right? Do we? I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, but I'm going to really challenge you tonight. Do you really repent? Do you really seek God? Do you really open up your heart and say, God, I want you to look at me, and I want you to identify the areas of my life that ain't meeting the mark? Listen, many of us think about the things we do, but we excuse ourselves from the things we ain't done knowing that those also are sin. The Bible said that anything that you do, if you don't do it of faith, it's sin. Amanda knows to do good and do it not. It's sin. All of these things are sin, and yet I don't... All of us struggle with getting on our knees and saying, God, there's been several things that I failed to do, and you know what bothers me most is that it doesn't bother us. If sin truly was real in our own heart, then it would bother us, amen? And that's where the brokenness and the contrition of a heart that is humbled before God comes in is when we recognize that what we have done is violated the law of our merciful God. And even though he has mercifully saved me and forever sealed me until the day of redemption, I will always have a responsibility to seek that blessed peace, that place of forgiveness before God. Goodness gracious, I may not get out of the first two verses. You can't be forgiven, you see, if you ain't forgave your neighbor. Right? See, there's all kinds of complexities that come into being forgiven. Right? Most of them, most people just go along as if there's nothing to it. But, but I'm trying to tell you tonight that repentance is a work, <laughs> right? It is a, it is a tear 
jerking, hard, laboring work, if you know what I'm trying to say. Listen, to be extremely honest before God is something that bears you open, naked before God, and it exposes every evil thing. It is embarrassing and humiliating and discouraging and disappointing when we see ourselves as we really are. Oh, but that ought to drive us to our knees in a place where we can cry unto the Father of a Father and repent of our sins and know that what he has promised is to forgive us every time we ask. Not because we just asked or not because we were worth it, but because Christ has paid the sin debt. So he is faithful and just to forgive Alfred even if he has to pray about the same thing a week in a row, two weeks in a row. Forgive me, I did it again. Forgive me, I said it again. Forgive me, I thought it again. We've all been there. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven. And I tell you, you can look and you can really tell the people that are blessed, right? And I'm not talking about the clothes they wear. <laughs> Right, that has absolute the car they drive, the home they live in, the bank account they might have. Not one of those things indicate to me that a person is truly blessed. I'll tell you right now, there there are all kinds of scenarios in this world, and I can assure you, if it is based upon the materialistic things of this world, that is not what. What indicates to me a person is blessed? According to the word of God, I can tell you who is blessed. And I'm going to start tonight with this one, and I hope to get to the other one later. But I'm going to start tonight by saying that if you truly want to be blessed, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to be honest about sin and let God fix it. Because even though my sins have been remitted through the blood of Jesus Christ, there's a personal responsibility for me to own those sins and say, I agree that I am wrong and you are right. And in that, I restore fellowship with God on a daily basis. And I'll tell you right now, that's the most blessed place that you can be. People used to talk about having their their prayer closets and, and pine thickets and and corn cribs and and all kinds of different places. And, and what it meant was is that people prayed. People had a place. People had a time. People had a commitment that they made to God. Do you know why? Not because they just needed help, but because they recognized that there was a need to make it right. Right? And that's what it comes down to is, is I'm trying to make it right. Now, Christ has imputed his righteousness to me. Thank God for that, right? I'm not going to take away from grace in any way right now. I can't help but boast of it. It's the only thing that saves any of us. I am truly made right through the righteousness of Christ, which I didn't deserve, but he gave to me. And yet, there is a personal responsibility throughout the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation that always speaks to me about a need for me to be right, to live right, to walk right. And when we do not, there is a responsibility for us to repent of that sin. And when we repent of that sin, then we experience what the psalmist is saying. We experience that blessedness, that blessed feeling, that peace of God, that restoration of fellowship that comes from just being right with God. (laughs) 
Now, let me say this. I'm not going to try to embarrass you, Steve, but thank you for going to the altar. Right? Come right in the door, walk right up to the altar. What was your problem? Right? Because ain't none of us have made it through this day without sin. But it was bothering him. You got that part, right? I thought that was a tremendous example that God was setting for us. And he did that just so all of us good righteous folks would say, hmm, that really bothered him, whatever it was. My question is, why don't it bother us? Sin ought to make us sick. Sin ought to be a violation of our very heartstrings that is linked directly to the grace of God that has rescued my soul for me to violate the laws of God and to do it in a way that I don't, it doesn't even bother me. No, you're not going to find that blessedness in living a life that is contrary to the will of God and the word of God or a life that is unrepentant. You will not find a person in this world living the blessed life until they are repentant. Now, does God bless people in spite of their ignorance? Yes, he does. Does God bless some of us just just because? Yes. No doubt about it. Some of you done been dried up and, and, and fell off the tree if God didn't just pour some on you sometimes. But I tell you, there's a way that you can, you can just get it, right? As the old man said, you can get under the spout where the glory comes out, right? You don't have to wait for it to fall out of his cup so you can splash on you. He'll fill your own cup. But you will not get there without repentance, an honest examination of yourself before God that says, <laughs> I am so sorry. Well, Lord help us, I need to move on. So, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man. First two verses. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. And in whose spirit there simply is no guile. That's a blessed man. That is a blessed woman. Friend, blessing, let me be clear. The blessings that we are searching for are not the material ones. As a matter of fact, God promised me the taters in the house and, 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 and the clothes. Right? He said, if the bird gets it, you'll get it more than they do. He said, I promise you that. I'm going to take care of you. And has he not taken care of us? He will. He'll take care of us. I'm not, I don't even question that. He'll take care of us. And do I consider those things that he has granted? Yes, those are blessings that God simply gives. But, but he blesses the bird just like he does you and me and, and us more. But what the psalmist is talking about is something that is far deeper. That this, this blessing is something that is down in the soul of man. Listen, in the very place where you stare at the ceiling at night and you can't go to sleep because you know your heart ain't right with God. You ever been there? Yes. 
We've been there, been in that place, and it's miserable. <laughs> it's miserable to be in that place where you're not right with God, and you know all along what you got to do. Do we not? Some of us play around with it thinking we got to get back to church so we can go to the altar and repent. Why don't you have an altar at home? You're sure welcome to use this one, but here's what I can encourage you. Based on the usage of this altar, you better have one at home. I rarely see people using this one. You better have one. <laughs> We're just going to have to stick with these first two. Listen, the problem is, is we ain't willing to repent of sin. And repent means more than just say I'm sorry. It means I'm turning from it. And I am going another way. I acknowledge that I have failed in this and I have failed in this today. But what I'm acknowledging is that I am wrong and you are right. And I am turning from that action. I am turning from that deed. I am turning from that thought, that word, whatever the sin encompassed as a verb, whatever it was that caused it to be sin in the eyes of God. When we're willing to say, I am sorry, Father, I need you to purge me of this sin. Listen, I'll tell you what this world needs today, what the church of Jesus Christ needs today is it needs to get right with God. We can't take away from the, the graces of our Lord that hath redeemed us by no work of our own. That's already established. But if you want to experience the blessing of being a child of God while here, then you are going to have to own up to sin and say, you know what, it's time that I grew up. It is time. I've been guilty of that sin now. I've been guilty of that sin for years. I've been guilty of that sin before. Whatever the scenario is, we need to wake up, own up, and grow up and say to ourselves, I am going to turn from sin. And here's what I can tell you. Blessed is he who does that. You want to be blessed? You want to be blessed? You're going to have to get right with God. Every one of us have this responsibility. There's nobody exempt from it. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to own up to our sin. And we're going to be honest about it long enough for it to hurt us, to bother us, to make us sick. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Here's what he said in verse number 3. Maybe we'll get this part. Verse number three, he said, when I kept silence, now here's what happens when you don't repent. He said, when I kept silent, he said, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Does anybody think that sounds pleasurable? I can assure you that what the psalmist was saying was, is it was like an ache inside of me that I could not get rid of. It was like something that hurt down deep in me and I couldn't find no comfortable place. There was nothing no one could do. There was nothing anyone could say. There was nothing could make me right. All the day long, I waxed old in my bones through the roaring that was in me, the roaring, I believe, of the Holy Spirit that is saying to you and I, you are not right with God. 
David was willing to admit, I love how honest David is, he was willing to admit that conviction was a problem. Anybody ever been under conviction? You know what I'm talking about, Holy Ghost conviction. I'm talking about when sin is present in your life and the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, the Holy Spirit of God is going to be doing some roaring. The Holy Spirit will wear you out. He'll keep you up. He'll tie you. He'll do whatever he needs to do to wake you up to the truth that what you need is to get right with God. David said, oh, he said it was awful all day long. In in me was just roaring as if my bones waxed old. The conviction of God, he said, was just eating me alive. Anybody hate conviction like I do? Oh, how I despise that feeling. How I dread that feeling. The feeling of conviction that the Holy Ghost brings upon me. But may I say to you today, apart from the Holy Ghost conviction, we'd never repent. So I thank God for the waxing old of my bones through the roaring day and night. Verse number four, he goes on. He says, for day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. I tell you right now, I believe that there's some people we've been praying for, the hand of the Lord's heavy upon them right now. You say, how do you know? Because I've been praying that very thing. The hand of God be laid upon them. Let me tell you something. When the hand of God lays upon you, you won't sleep well no more. The hand of God goes to laying upon you. You won't want to eat no more. Everything that you like to do, friend, will become something monotonous and hurtful. I want you to know that conviction of God is necessary, but thank God it's real. It's real. Holy Ghost conviction is what's needed. What we need is people to get so some, some miserable with sin that they give up, they get tired of it, and like the prodigal son, they go back home. We need people to wake up and recognize that they're never going to be blessed living in sin. It won't work. It won't work. The Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't play that way. Right? They talk about straddling the fence. Let me tell you something. Once you get one leg over, you're over. You can tell me you're in the middle if you want to, but you were crossing when you got to that position. You're over. And you're in violation of the will of God. That's the problem. And that separates our fellowship. It disrupts our blessedness, our peace. And we find ourselves in the same place as David when he said, day and night, it was like the hand of God was heavy upon me. Now I felt that. I know just exactly what that feels like. If you're honest, every one of you felt that too. You felt the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon us, pressing down, saying, that ain't right. You can't live like this. See, a child of God knows that. Now, all the lost people, they can go happy-go-lucky, right? They can keep on doing whatever they're doing, right? Because they ain't got a father except the devil. But my father who said he loves me, he said, because he loves me, he will chasten me. And friend, when the hand of God gets heavy upon you, you're going to have to do something for long. I mean, 
I don't know how people do it. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know how people go for years. I, I have yet to figure that one out. How people can go for years not right with God, and yet they're a child of God. <laughs> just, well, your face said they're just stupid. Well, I can tell you this. You're miserable, and you don't have to be. So if you put them two together, yeah, that might mean you ain't thought this through. Because the only thing you had to do on the first day when you found yourself out of fellowship to God was to do what? And you didn't do it. And you went on for next week and it got easier the next week and month after month goes by and the hand of God heavy upon you and everything around you falling apart and you asking what in the world's going on while all the time the Spirit of God is saying, get right with God. David said, I, I hate it. He said, I can't stand it. He said, it's like day and night the hand of God was heavy upon me. He went on in verse number four, I think, to try to describe it like this. He said, even the, even the little bit of moisture I had turned into drought. Even the slightest hint of happiness that was coming my way, it gone. Day and night, he said, the hand of God was heavy upon me. Praise God. I'll tell you this right now. If the hand of God ain't upon you, you ain't his. If you can live in an unrepentant lifestyle and not feel it, not know it, you've never been saved. You say, oh, there's exceptions to that. No, there's not. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes in to reside in you. And he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I don't care where you go, you're taking him with you. And he knows everything you think, everything you do, everything you say. There's no question. You ain't hiding it from God. He knows it all. And if you're a child of God, the very instant that you sin against God, fellowship is broken with God and you lose that blessedness. You lose that glorious condition of being able to lay your head on your pillow and go to sleep. You lose that one thing that people pay millions to find via psychiatrists and all of these other self-help neat programs. They hunting it. They they hunt. They they doing everything they can to try to get a hold of something like blessed, to where they just feel at ease. But we know who that is, right? Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. So I'm going to say again what I started with. Are you forgiven? Right? Not, not totally through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not that type of forgiveness. I'm talking about the type where you own your sin and you confess your sin before God and say, I'm sorry. And you turn and you walk a different way. That's what, that's what David's talking about. He's talking about that blessedness that comes from just being able to say that I have repented of my sin. Now, we could go farther with repentance. There's no, there's, right? That's a topic that you probably couldn't exhaust. 
But I can say this. Jesus said to him in one place in the New Testament, what he said was, and except you repent, you'll also likewise perish. I can tell you this, that what David said as a child of God, he said, when I wasn't right with God, he said it was awful. It was miserable. It was horrific. It was terrible. And he said it was like, it was like every good thing just dried up from my life. But then in verse number 5, verse number 5, he began to say to us what happened, what he did. Right? What, what did he have to do to change from, from verses 3 and 4 in back into that place where it was a blessed condition? Verse number 5, he said, I acknowledged my sin. Well, that was hard, wasn't it? <laughs> We're awful. David said, let me tell you how I fixed this. Let me tell you how I got let me tell you how I got this squared away. Profound. He said, I acknowledged my sin unto thee. What did he do? With a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he confessed to God and he said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And I mean it. And he turned from the sin in his heart. David said to fix the problem. He said this terrible problem, right? This this horrible lifestyle I was living. He said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And mine iniquity, he said, have I not hid. Now that gets to the heart of most of our problems. Is because we try to hide sin from God as if he can't see it. As if he don't know it. No, what David said was, is he said, look, he said, the way you fix this is you, you quit hiding your sin. He said, I said, verse number five, he said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin." It kind of reminds me of what, what Elisha told on Naaman who had come down there to be healed of the leprosy, right? And, and Elisha never even went outside. He just told his servant, said, go tell him dip seven times in Jordan. And it made him mad, right? And he, he was going to leave. And his servant said to him, well, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you did it? And it occurred to Naaman, he said, yeah, if he'd asked me to do some great thing, I would have I would have I would have did it. I would have tried it. Just to get rid of this leprosy. And they looked at him and said, All he asked you to do was go to Jordan and dip seven times. That's all he asked you to do. And Naaman went to Jordan and he dipped seven times and when he came up right, his leprosy was gone. Let's talk about your sin. All he's asked you to do to repent he didn't ask you to do a great thing Larry he didn't ask you to die for it yourself he's already done that he didn't ask you to pay a thousand dollars for every sin you committed he's already paid everything has to be paid he didn't ask you a hard thing he's asked you a very simple thing confess your sin repent of it Repent of it. Quit trying to hide it and just get honest with it. 
And I can tell you right now, things will start changing. Verse number 6. He said, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. What's he saying? He's saying every child of God will come the same way. Right? If you think for one minute that somehow you are uniquely different than your brother or your sister in Christ, you're not. If they have to pray and repent, you have to pray and repent. No, he said, listen, everybody that's a child of God, he said, they're going to come this way. They're going to pray unto you in a time when you can be found. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Then he said, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. All of these things indicate how important it is for us to keep repentance at the center of our prayer life. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're going to God saying, Lord, bless me with this, bless me with that, and you have yet to repent, you've missed it. You've missed it. I believe it was Isaiah 59 where the Bible said, he said, your sins have separated you from God. The only thing, friend, that, that we can do Right, He's done everything for us, and yet the one responsibility that he's given to us as pertains to our sin is that we confess them. We admit it, that Jesus is right and I am wrong. That we be honest with sin. All right. So here's God's instruction for the situation. Verses number 8 and 9. When, when we have truly repented of our sin, God steps in and does what we can't do. Now, verse number 8 is what God will do, and verse number 9 is what you shouldn't do. So verse number 8, he said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Right? Every one of us have had to pray those, those repentive prayers where we said, Lord, you know, I... I'm, I'm embarrassed to even bring this to you again. I, I lost my temper last week, and here I am again with the same problem. And yet what we find is when we truly repent and, and we make it right with God, God said, listen, he said, I'll continue to instruct you and to teach you. I'll continue to guide you with mine eye. All of these, I don't leave you. I'm not walking away. Conversely, you can look at verse 9. He said, don't be like a horse or a mule. We could probably get more graphic than that. But don't be like a horse or a mule that has to have a bit and a bridle and be forced around. Right? As if you have no, what? What did he say? Understanding. Let me tell you something. If the Holy Ghost lives in you, you know. You know what to do. You know what to pray. He said, don't be like the horse or the mule that has no understanding, right? Just just barrels down the, the road as if you're going right off a cliff. He said, you have to have a bit and a bridle to force them around. No, God said, I'll teach you. I'll instruct you. I'll guide you with my very eye. And yet you're stubborn as a blasted mule. (laughs) 
And I suppose there's been times when it felt like a bit and a bridle. When God said, whoa, that's as far as you're going. And he put a stop to it. He can do that too. But it oughtn't to come to that. We oughtn't to be as, as, as a beast with no understanding. We know just exactly what to do. The reason we ain't doing it because we're rebellious and stubborn as the mule. We're unwilling to admit that we, we have sinned. And for whatever reason, we won't get honest before God and simply weep and say, I'm sorry. I turn. Blessed is the man that lives that lifestyle that is constantly owning up to it and saying, God, help me with this. I have messed this up. I want, I want you. Listen to me. God will work with you when you're honest. God will help you when you're honest. When you'll just tell him the truth, when you'll come to him daily and say, Lord, I have messed it up. I have, I have looked, I have just taken inventory in my life today. And I, could, I, can, I can see these things that I know are sin. Well, oh, there's so much more we could say. Let's, let's finish right here. Verse number 10 and 11. Here's what will happen. Here's what will happen if we'll, just, if we'll just do it God's way, if we'll just get right with God. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, yep, but he that trusteth in the Lord. Mercy shall compass him about. Every person that simply gets honest before God and says, Lord, I'm just going to lay this before you. I'm just going to be honest right now. I'm going to put it right out here, and I'm, I'm going to own it. That this was my fault. Wasn't my husband's fault, my wife's fault, my children's fault, my neighbor's fault, my boss's fault. This is my fault. And I am turning from this. He said, listen. He said, when, when a man begins to trust in the Lord and to be honest with him, he said, mercy shall compass him about. Verse number 11. He said, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. And shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Listen, the best way for the people of God to live in that blessed condition is to repent. To repent. Now, Psalms chapter 1 gives us a different blessed. And we'll, Lord willing, we'll, we'll tackle that next time. But you're not going to experience Psalms 1 blessing until you've got Psalms 32 well in hand. The Psalms 1 blessing won't occur until Psalms 32 has been digested and you have become normal with that daily dying out to self. A daily, honest, prayer closet type situation where you are just saying to God, I am sorry. I have looked and I have sinned against you. And you know what happens every time that I do that? Blessed, free, peace. What do you say in verse number 11? Shout for joy. Why? Because the one thing that was between me and him is now gone. 
problem has been fixed. And he can do it just like that. All it takes is the honest repentance from a heart that says, it's me, it's not you. I'm the problem. I'm the culprit. And every time, the peace is instant. Come get a song. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose iniquity is not imputed unto him. If you want to live in an unrepentant lifestyle, just read about David in verses 3 and 4, right? He said it was miserable. It was horrible. The hand of God was heavy upon me. Oh, he said, but but I acknowledged my sin one day. I got right with God one day. And he fixed everything just like that. For he said that if you were willing to confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You want blessed peace? You want that blessed joy? You want what's supposed to be in the heart of a believer? It takes repentance daily. Repentance. Well, stand with us as we sing. I don't know your heart, but I know this. If you'll repent, he'll forgive you. That's what he promised he would do, is that he'd forgive you. If you're delaying it, the only thing that you're doing is putting off peace. You're putting off joy another day. You're putting off your, your, your own happiness and contentedness. You're putting all that off if you're unwilling to repent. So I'll just say tonight, if you need to repent, you need to repent now, today, right now. Don't live not another second that way. Let him fix you tonight. He'll do it.